Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. I'm Jason Stein, publisher of Automotive News, and this is Daily Drive for Thursday, April 22nd. 25 years ago, long before the Teslas and the Rivians and the hundreds of proclamations around electrified models, there was a major milestone achieved in the world of electrification. It had a simple name, EV1. It was all about General Motors' capabilities as a catalyst and a forerunner in the modern electric vehicle age. The car was an engineering marvel aimed at retail consumers. It was also a celebrity magnet and a blast to drive. But the program proved too costly to be sustained, and its demise scarred GM's reputation. Nonetheless, it was a catalyst for where we are today, in the EV push of tomorrow. In a 13-page report in this week's edition of Automotive News, our editorial team examines the impetus for the vehicle, the desires of GM's leadership, and the lessons learned along the way. It's a captivating tale of GM's strength, and its vulnerabilities. Mostly, the report chronicles a milestone. To discuss all things EV1, we've reached automotive news reporters Hannah Lutz and Pete Bigelow in Detroit, Michigan. Hannah Lutz, it's good to talk to you again. How are you? Hi, Jason. Doing well. Pete Bigelow, it is good to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Jason. Great to be here. I want to start off with uh, the enormity of this project um, that appears uh, as a as a tease on page one and um, and starts on page sixteen of the April nineteenth issue of Automotive News, and you interviewed uh, three dozen individuals, um, I think collectively here, in order to put this project together, which is chronicling the uh, rollout of the EV one uh, as as we termed it. 25 years later, it is a triumph of electrification that ended in a crushing blow. But Hannah, let's start with you. Why write about the EV1 now, besides the obvious hook to the uh, quarter century? Yeah, the first thing that prompted it was our our editor, um, Leslie Allen, marking the 25th anniversary. So that's why we started looking into it. Um, But really, the tie-in to the present is... GM's commitment to electric vehicles. They say they're aiming for an all-electric light vehicle lineup by 2035. They've committed $27 billion to electric and autonomous vehicle development. But when you look back, you know, they were one of the first with an electric vehicle back in the 90s in 1996 with the EV1. And although it was short-lived, they only built it for, for three years and came with all sorts of um, issues, but also triumphs, they are coming back to it now with more direction and a broader vision. So we thought it was really important to highlight really the root of of their electric vehicle journey so many years ago. Pete Bigelow, you went down this journey to learn more about the EV1. What surprised you? I think one of the big things, Jason, was that that this was not just some some blip on the radar screen where they tried it and it didn't work for a variety of reasons, but but it was the the enormity of the undertaking that that back in the early '90s, it really only a company like General Motors had the had the resources and wherewithal to put put a project like this together. And it was working with Aerovironment, 
Uh, I was working with its Hughes Aircraft subsidiary, which, which really infused this whole knowledge of power electronics into the modern automobile. Uh, and, that, you know, today we think of a, a Google or maybe an Apple that has the, the capacity to take a, you know, a big swing like this. And, and back in the early 90s, it was General Motors. In fact, right, that this is long before the word moonshot became synonymous with Silicon Valley ambition. GM has launched an improbable mission of its own. Now, a group of aerospace engineers, some had worked on space missions, fighter jets, as well as battery experts, nuclear physicists, freelance tinkerers, automotive veterans convened to design and develop the vehicle. In some of your conversations, Hannah, uh, what did they tell you? Um, Well, they said a lot. We got into great detail with all of our sources about really what went into the EV1. Um, And something that many of them talked about, especially on the aerospace side, was the aerodynamics of the car. That's why it's a teardrop shape. Um, And it still holds the record for most aerodynamic vehicle, the lowest um, drag coefficient at 0.19. Now it's tied with Volkswagen. Um, I think Volkswagen tied with them in 2013, I believe. So long after. Um, But yeah, lots of conversations like that and also uh, lots around the battery and how the battery was very impressive for the time, but it didn't give drivers the range that they needed for the most part. Um, And compared with today, you know, it just really doesn't compare to today, the the efficiency that we have now and the the range that um, many battery companies and automakers can get. GM is saying their Ultium batteries could have a range of um, 450 miles. So nowhere near, nowhere near that with the EV1, but still, still a good effort for sure. Everything was revolutionary on this vehicle, electric propulsion, aluminum structure, regenerative braking, the aerodynamics that you mentioned, Hannah. Pete, you're, you're a technology reporter. What, what surprises you about some of the efforts that went into this 25 years ago, long before the Silicon Valley companies who you talk to now today? Yeah, I think one of the most uh, notable things, Jason, was just that everything was from the ground up. It wasn't that they were just putting a, you know, just swapping out the powertrain for for a battery. Uh, it was that everything on this car, everything on automobiles, we know it had to change to accommodate that. Uh, every system had to support electrification. Uh, you know, trade-offs had to be made so that uh, so that they could have a battery. Uh, you know. Powering the powering the propulsion. Uh, that was you know just interesting to think about. It wasn't just one thing that changed on a conventional car. It was that everything had to be rethought from the ground up. Uh, you know, for one example, the regenerative braking. Uh, now that you know, I don't want to say it's commonplace now, but uh, certainly a you know something that we think of and uh, relate to electric vehicles today. And that there's something that never had been even tried before. They, the, you know, someone had to think like, how about we try this and and you know lo and behold they did so when we look at uh, its its short life uh, there are many twists and turns in that life and chronicled well here through eight chapters that you have both authored along with an epilogue what was the big turning point Hannah for the EV1 why why did it go from concept to storm clouds to death so quickly <laughs> there are lots of turning points and mm-hmm. I think it's important to look back at the really the origin of the EV1. So GM and Hughes Aircraft um, and Air Environment, they worked on the Sun Racer, which competed in a solar challenge in um, 
Australia and won by a long shot. And then after that, everyone was so happy, so impressed. Uh, they were like, okay, well, what are what else are we going to do? And that's when they decided to build an electric vehicle, starting with a concept called the Impact. And the executives, you know, really liked it and wanted it to be a production vehicle. So the Impact became the EV1. Um, it took a lot of years of development to get it there, to get it, you know, consumer ready and driver ready. Um, so I think that was the first turning point for the executives to say, we want this to be a production vehicle. Um, the others were just finding the market for it, which was limited because it was only leased. So customers could never buy it. Um, and also you had to be in the right situation for an electric vehicle. You had to be able to charge at home and have the right length of your daily commute. All these boxes needed to be checked. So finding that market, advertising it, which they Jam started really strongly with, with this really splashy ad, and they they debuted the car at a Sylvester Stallone movie premiere. So they really <laughs> went at it hard, and then they kind of backed off when when the budget tightened up a bit. And then Pete, if you want to keep going from there, there were some other twists and turns that kept the story going. There were, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of twists and turns for a car that was only produced for three years. But I, you know, I think one certainly was uh, as as GM's finances worsened in the early '90s. They, you know, there was kind of a short-term outlook and a long-term outlook. Uh, and um, Jack Smith kind of famously turns to to Bob Stemple and says, "Bob, you can't afford the program." Uh, and that's when it got scaled back, but lived. Uh, you know, and lo and behold, Jack Smith is the one who decides that he wants to take it to production in the mid 90s, 95. And, and then, you know, 96 is when it goes into production in Lansing. And, I, you know, I, I think that the turning point, again, was perhaps just the fact that it was so limited. Uh, and then there, there's also the there's limited range. And then there's the regulatory battles that are kind of the backdrop where this was not produced to meet the mandate, but but a mandate followed, and I think General Motors got a little gun shy in saying, "Whoa, if we if we produce this, does that lead to uh, you know these further requirements that we have to sell X number of of electric vehicles or alternate propulsion vehicles?" And uh, I think General Motors started backing off uh, for that reason, and that that's kind of another big turning point, Jason. We'll hear more from automotive news reporters Hannah Lutz and Pete Bigelow after this. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory. Sit back, relax, watch a movie, 
and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. And an interesting piece uh, in, in all of the stories that were written is the exchange between Lloyd Royce and Mark Royce. Tell me about that and, and how unique that was to you. That was really special because Lloyd, while he wasn't there during the EV1 years, he was there during the impact years, the concept car that inspired EV1. So he was there right at the genesis. Um, and he, he you know, said in that Q&A that this was something serious. They were A lot of people called it a failed experiment or some people said GM was never really committed to this. But he said, no, we were committed. This was serious. And to have Mark join him um, when he has um, led the charge on this all-electric future was just a great perspective to have so many years between and really (laughs) at a similar goal. Interesting comments came from two former GM executives. One was Bob Lutz, who was um, vice chairman of global product development at GM after the EV1. And he said, if you look at it through the eyes of the bean counter, and you could hear Bob saying this, it was a catastrophic mistake, and we never should have done it. If you look at it through holistic eyes of what did that experience bring us, what did we learn from it, how well did it position us for an electric vehicle future, it was a huge success. And then you have former GM CEO Rick Wagner, who was the one who formally ended the program in 2003. He later said that it was the worst decision that he made to kill the program. Pete, when you think about those those two ends of the spectrum, it's pretty obvious that that, that for many ex-GM folks, uh, this was a historic achievement, even if it wasn't a long-term success. That's absolutely right, Jason. I think it was historic. It, it proved that it could be done. Uh, it, it left a lot of talent in the company. I think Hannah and I uh, learned that there was still 40 people within General Motors who worked specifically on the EV1 program. So it gave them that that kind of institutional knowledge base to do what they're doing today. And, and a lot of people left General Motors after, after EV1 kind of, uh, you know, died down. And, and a lot of that talent also was dispersed throughout the industry. And you look at uh, Bob Gallian going to cattle or uh, John Barisa consulting with Neo or, Bob Purcell at Via Motors, et cetera, et cetera. There's you know, dozens of examples of, of people who worked on EV1 going elsewhere in the industry. And uh, you know, so I, I think that it, it has seeded the, everything we're seeing now throughout the industry. And everything is, or most things are derivative of EV1. And so that's, that's the worthwhile part uh, over the long term. That's what the long-term investment that General Motors made did. Uh, you know, we can certainly debate uh, it's it's being captured elsewhere, not just within the company. That's one of the, you know, would have, could have, should have, maybe, I don't know. That that That's a fascinating aspect of this that that we could probably spend several hours going back and forth on. It, it is not uh, lost on any reader of Automotive News this week that Hannah's page one story is also about GM's goals with EVs and the, of course we've been we've been reading about this for um, for a good amount of time now to start this year. The goal is for GM to have a fully zero emission lineup by 2035. And you interviewed Steve Carlisle, so I, I'm guessing that the irony was not lost on you, Hannah, that 
here we are talking about this milestone and the and and what what could have been now with what might be. Give me your thoughts on that and what Steve told you. So GM since earlier this year, I believe it was January, that's when they said we have an aspiration to be all electric in our light vehicle lineup by 2035. So that's a really big goal and it aligns with California's goals. It makes sense. Um, but it's it's very ambitious. Um, and they GM is doing a lot to to make their goal a, a reality um, with charging infrastructure, preparing the dealers, et cetera. But something that, that Steve made clear to me um, in that interview was that it is a goal. It's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. But ideally, this is going to happen based on all of the things GM is doing and what they want others to do. It's sort of a call to action for the for the broader industry to work together to make um, EVs the future. And it is different from EV1 because EV1 was, it seemed, you know, there was a lot of passion around it, but it did seem like the side project that they were giving a try while the money makers like today were the, the pickups and SUVs, Hummer, the Hummer brand was coming out. So, um, now today it's, it's it's the major focus that's the shift before it was something sort of in the background maybe you heard bits and pieces about it now it's it's front and center amazingly the hummer returns as an electric vehicle yes which is sounds contradictory but uh it works and people seem to love it it's already the reservations are sold out for the first two model years so so it is this does mark the 25th anniversary of the launch of the ev1 just in time for earth day uh, uh, coincidentally enough. And it is a 13-page report that starts on page 16 of this week's Automotive News. You can also read about it, see the videos, hear the podcasts, autonews.com slash EV1. Hannah, thank you very much. Pete, thank you very much. Thank you, We reached Automotive News reporters Hannah Lutz and Pete Bigelow in Detroit, Michigan. And that's Daily Drive for Thursday, April 22nd. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And for a library of more than 300 interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. We'll be back Friday. <laughs>